0: Did you know that dirt biking originated in the UK? Motocross racing can be traced back to off-road events held in the United Kingdom in 1924, but the sport didn't grow in popularity until the 1930s. We'll discuss this and other interesting facts about dirt bike racing with writer Michael James on this episode of The Curious Professor. Hi everyone, I'm Dr. B. Welcome to the Curious Professor podcast, where I take listeners on a journey of discovery to explore the people, places, artifacts, and natural wonders that spark my curiosity. On this episode of the Curious Professor podcast, we'll explore the world of dirt bike racing with motorsport journalist and screenwriter Michael James. But first, a trivia question. What's the difference between a dirt bike and a motorcycle? I'll have the answer for you at the end of this episode. I'm thrilled to have Michael James on the show today. Michael has lived all over New York City by way of Jamaica, and that's Jamaica the island, not Jamaica Long Island. His interest in writing was noticed when he was eight and got an A-plus in his class. Michael has been an amateur dirt bike racer for over 25 years and a professional journalist for the same sport for 15 of those 25. Michael is married and has two grown children. He became a grandfather last January. Unfortunately, he's not yet been able to see the little guy due to COVID. Michael is a state-certified driving instructor and the survivor of two traumatic brain injuries as well as a male-specific cancer. Michael is starting to believe he may be unkillable. Michael and I are both members of an online screenwriting community. When I found out about his unique background and how it helped shape his writing career, my curiosity was immediately piqued and I wanted to learn more. I hope this interview with Michael will spark your curiosity, too. Welcome to the show, Michael. It's great to have you here.
1: It's awesome to be here. I've been looking forward to this since we spoke about it.
0: Let's get started with your time as a dirt bike racer. What got you interested in the sport?
1: I've always been like a daredevil kind of kid. Um, You watch the movie Full Metal Jacket, where the Matthew Modine character is like, I want to be the first kid on my block to, to get a confirmed kill. Well, I was the first kid on my block to break the big wheel. You know, <laughs> sitting down and pedaling wasn't enough for me. I would stand up on the back and go down this very steep hill in Wendell Park in Tarrytown, New York, and I would crash and just you know. Um, I was recently sharing an incident with a <laughs> with a friend of mine about my cousin. Uh, his name is Roosevelt Vaughn, but his nickname was Dilly, and he actually was a, a track racing bicyclist for the Jamaica national team. And that's what actually was the initial inspiration for me to be a racer. Right, I hadn't in on what the mode of racing was but there was an incident i was sitting on the top tube he was riding me to church uh, to meet my my mom and my dad who i guess were already there and we hit a patch of sand going down a hill to me it must have felt like a thousand miles an hour and he freaked out oh my god mike are you okay Aunt Norma's gonna kill me i jump up and say let's do that again so right there i knew something was <laughs> you know Not a normal guy. So you but, had
0: that, that risk-taking and sense of adventure from a young age.
1: All the time. And I think what kind of shaped the motorcycle as the, uh, as, the as the venue was a good friend of mine, Byron Weaver, and I'm going to make sure he sees this. His older brother, Glenn, gave me a ride on a mini bike in the back of uh, where we lived on Wendell Park. And it's literally like that moment where the world comes into focus. And I in my mind and my soul, like, I want to do that. Forever, you know, the feeling of freedom and motion was just unbelievable. And um I became the little kid who would be, you know, any motorcyclist riding by, I'd be hanging out the window, giving the thumbs up. And if they noticed and waved back, oh my, I was in heaven. Like, you saw me? I'm gonna be like them one day. What
0: do you think you loved most about being a dirt bike racer?
1: I look at, I mean, this is from my perspective now, you know. 52 years after the fact but um i look at the this the road bike riders as the like the long haul cowboys because cowboys were basically to transport cattle from one place to the other and they were just long haul you know and i consider the road riders that but the rodeo riders you were in a contained area and you're basically there to entertain people you know showing off your skill but you're entertaining people at at the core of what it is and i think that kind of a attracted me to, 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 racing, to competition. Um, I've always been athletic and in instances, I've been an athlete cause athlete is the dedication to training. Once I kind of got my foot in the door, basically to my friend, Stephen Flo, he would drag me everywhere, you know, I had no money to buy a dirt bike. So I was the kid that lived in the magazines and not to jump forward, but I believe what the magazines meant to me is what led to me becoming a journalist, because I remember what that felt like not being there and the magazine, like I was there through that. Right. And I kind of wanted the next version of me, uh, wherever that kid is to feel like he was there. Okay. When he finished reading the reporters, seeing the pictures and stuff, but you know, I had no motorcycle. I knew so much about it but I didn't know how to ride. And Steve Flo was like my godson, my best friend, my mentor. He dragged me all over New York State to watch him race, you know? And it's an amazing feeling when that's your friend in the lead and you're on the side of the things cheering because now people are looking at you that, wow, he knows that guy, you know? So... Steve Flo was the inspiration and uh, in, in time I eventually did what I saw him do which was go up on the stage at the district awards banquet to collect like a championship trophy so those trophies took a long time and a lot of work a lot of money spent but uh, if I had to do it over, I would absolutely do it again.
0: And you mentioned that you also worked as a journalist for the sport. How did that come about?
1: All races, whether it's two wheels, four wheels, street dirt or whatever, uh, we have what we call bench racing sessions. And to, to, to guys on your end, you'd call it the BS session. Because okay? after the racing, after a beer or two, like in our stories, the tails got taller and taller than, you know. The more we talked about it, we got faster and faster than we actually were. And, um, I had wanted to actually become a children's writer, and there was a famous school in Connecticut, the Connecticut School of Children's Writing. They're like the top place to go to. And everything I sent in, because it's kind of like a boot camp, but everything I sent in, like reject, reject, reject. And I'm like, dude, I know I'm a decent writer, why am I sucking at this? You know, and one day almost like synchronicity of the universe kind of uh, aligned to point me in the direction. I was reading an issue of Writer's Digest magazine. Okay, as a writer, you know what that is. Most people have only heard of Reader's Digest, okay? And a sentence literally jumped off the page at me, doctor. Okay, it said, write what you know. And I'm sitting there like, well, what do I know? And then I realized I have a gazillion stories about these bench racing sessions, you know? Now, I wasn't looking to have the whole world read it, but there's a lot of people that do what I did, that have gone through the heartache, the empty bank accounts, the broken bones and all that stuff. They would find this stuff funny because that's my tribe, right? And again, things coincided. I wrote a story about my first motorcycle like what it took to get there and how, Uh, I actually, uh, you know, was stalling the motorcycle in the parking lot of Hudson Rally Motorcycles. And um, in time, like jumping way forward, the owners of that place saw me lead a race from the drop of the gate to the checkered flag. So they literally saw me go from crawling to sprinting. But a good friend of mine, Walter he Walter's like this P.T. Barnum kind of guy. If there's a way to make something happen, Walter will make it happen. If there's a way to get a buck out of it, Walter will squeeze that last nickel out of it. And he actually, along with John Cohen, former professional motocross racer, whose brother Carlo Cohen uh, was just phenomenal, nationally ranked for a number of years. And Walter and John started what was called the Hudson Valley Motocross News. So when I found out about that, I'm like, hey, Walter, I got got a couple of stories. Can I send them to you? like, sure. You know, I didn't see anything happen. I didn't think anything was going on. But like the next month, hey, Mike, you got another one of those stories? I'm like, okay. go so I handed it to him, you know, again, you know. So now I'm starting to see my name in print. I'm like, not bad. You know, kind of good. You know, then he comes to me again. Mike, do you have another story? So now the bulb went off in my head. Wait a minute. If he's asking for this, it's because people kind of like what they see. So now it's like, Okay. I got another story, but now you have to throw some money back my way. You know, I asked him before that, like, are people commenting about it? And he was a little cagey because he's a businessman. And as a writer, you know, they, they don't want to pay us what we're worth. at we all the time, you know. He agreed. John agreed. And from then on, I started getting, I mean, it's 25 bucks an article. But as a new writer, it may have, have been a million because, like, I created something and something from my own hands. I got paid for that, you know. Super cool. And as that progressed, uh, the paper got bigger, more and more people started reading. He started getting advertisers. So he was able to pay me even more as that paper got bigger. And uh, Walter, again, ever the promoter, and he's fantastic at that stuff, he actually coordinated with the promoters of a monster truck event at Wildwood, New Jersey. And he said, Mike, can you write an article that explains motocross to the monster truck people? And I wrote a smoking article, like from the beginning of the sport, where basically World War II fighter pilots, okay, serious type A adrenaline junkies. They don't have a war to fight. They're not in their P51. Like, what do we do? We need a thrill. They stripped off the lights off their uh, street bikes and started racing each other through towns, you know, on the sides of the road, like you're looking on the highway. These guys were probably just bugging out, you know. Then another promoter somewhere in uh, France decided we can make something with this because people like to see that okay that's where the term motocross comes from it's basically french for motorcycle cross country right motocross and uh the the earliest races were actually pitted countries against countries and that was called the motocross, of the nation, motocross of nations. And little by little, each size of motorcycle gained their own classification and world championship. And it led to basically where we are now, where the top guys make millions of dollars to race, you know. And the article went over fashion. And this time it was $300 for what took me basically an hour to write. And I'm scratching my head, like, dude, <laughs> you know. This is actually pretty cool. And I don't know how important this is, but obviously, you know, I'm, I'm of color. And when Walter brought me to the person, the head promoter of the Monster Truck show, and she saw me, her face changed. And, you know, being Black for 64 at the time, 40 or something years, you realize what's going on in her head, right? She didn't know that Michael James was a black guy and she couldn't wiggle out of it because the contract was there. He owed me 300 bucks. And I basically stood at that table. You know, Walter pretty much backed me up, you know, she handed me the check and I'm like, thank you, you know, partway through that, the guys wanted to know if I uh, would participate because they were doing an exhibition race, not a real race, you know, like pass a guy, let like the guy pass you back just to kind of give them the thing. And I'm like, I had no gear. I didn't come here to do this. I came here to, 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 to cover the event and get my check, you know, motocross people do not stop. Okay, Dr. K, when I tell you people pitched in to where I had boots, pants, jersey, gloves, goggles, and a helmet in a matter of 15 minutes, I was like, okay, I guess I'm in the exhibition. But that went over really well. And as, as each thing like that happened, and I started getting more confidence that, like, I can write and I can make a couple dollars off of this, it led to a a regional newspaper that I'd seen at one of the national events called Motocross Southern Style. And I kind of picked it up, copy was free. And what struck me was there was a guy named Johnny Something, but the very first article in this paper was basically a religious article, and I'm like, that's different because I'd never seen that in in motorsports, you know. And then it went on to the other feature articles, and uh, I reached out to the editor, Spencer Davis. And my first question were, Are you that Spencer Davis? So he cracked up. No, I'm not. I'm not that guy. No, no I'm not him. I know who he is, you know. And uh, one thing led to another, and they took my they took me on as a column, as a columnist, as a feature columnist. So they they literally changed the name of the newspaper because of me okay it went from um from motocross southern style because now i'm giving them race reports from the northeast in the column and because i lived in the northeast they changed the name of the paper to mx east so they basically had the entire pretty much east coast of of events covered and my column i didn't pick the name but i loved it was northern exposure (laughs) as more and more of the local racers started reading that and commenting i mean we had national level pros like Mark Wondrak out of New Jersey, he came up to me one day and come and said, Dude, I like this paper more than cycle news. Now cycle news was like the Bible of motorcycle racing. Okay. If we're talking about Hollywood, that would have been like the Hollywood reporter or or variety. Right? Everything to do with motorcycle racing is in cycle news and they're still amazing. But their coverage wasn't focused on the off-road. Their coverage is everybody, all right? That's like a guy loving science fiction movies. I have a variety is not just going to focus on science fiction movies so basically um you know as more and more people from other parts of the country started sending in race reports they changed the name again to mx america now right now arguably the biggest and the best motocross magazine that covers more the lifestyle you know it's like what it's like what mx east mx america was but on steroids on a global level okay the entire tribe it's called racer x illustrated i was founded by a guy named davy coombs and what got me to the national level of of covering events i was already doing that but i wanted to get bigger and i'm poking around like you know and someone pointed to me say see that guy davy coombs go talk to him i'm nervous as all hell i had two articles in my hand didn't know which one to give him and spirit kind of uh, give him that one and i did and that one actually talked about uh remember the peewee the peewee movie with Wee herman where he hits the car and goes over and does like a thousand rolls and jumps up you know but i mentioned that and i mentioned you know pops up like evil knievel i had no idea evil knievel was baby coombs's Idol, you know. So again, synchronicity. The article I handed him printed in this massive magazine, and every writing motocross writing job I applied for after that. I got because I was published in Eraser X Illustrated. So I owe Davey Coombs a debt of gratitude with that.
0: Let's move into your screenwriting career. Now that you're writing screenplays, you mentioned to me that you have written a two-wheeled version of the Fast and Furious on behest of the stunt coordinator of the original movie. How did that come about?
1: His name is Lane Levitt, and he was a two or three-time national trials writing champion. Uh, trials writing is a different It's a cross between a motorcycle competition almost and like stunt riding, okay? Because basically, he can pop a wheelie and hop the motorcycle up onto your dining table, if you could even envision that. You know, he can pop a wheelie, stay balanced, hop around, and hop off the table again. That's what trials riding is, okay? Now, I had known Lane when I first picked up a dirt bike magazine. He was one of the names I kept seeing over and over and over in that sport, right? With motocross, it was Roger the costar um Hay-T-Mikula and all these europeans that like i dreamed about being like one day but lane was the trials guy right now if you're on a motorcycle or on a bicycle you understand the slower you're going is the harder it is to maintain your balance the trials is very very low speed so balance is king in that sport and in time through facebook i i, I saw his name pop up on something I'm like oh snap sent him a friend request. And the next thing you know, Lane, a couple of years later is not only one of my spiritual mentors, but it turned out that he's, you know, I had no idea he was like one of the main stunt coordinators for some big, big movies. And my thought was, dude, I write screenplays. You know, can you get me a foot in the door? And now uh, this has already happened after you and I had met in the Screenwriting You boot camp. And for those who don't know what it is, Screenwriting You is a boot camp for professional writers in other genres that want to learn the, the art of screenwriting. And it's not what people think. It's not just pouring a story into screenwriting software. There's a lot behind it. And, you know, Hal and Cheryl, they do a great job at screenwriting. You you and I are both graduates of that. Lane kept mentioning to me about what I would call urban motocross. Okay, now motocross being motor racing is the cheapest form of motor racing, but it's not cheap, right? I had an 80-something thousand dollars a year job with Verizon. That's what allowed me the excess funds to go play in the dirt on the weekends. Not everybody has that, that love and desire for for people that are in financial areas, getting the motorcycle is like that's the entire thing. There's nothing else. They don't have the money for the van. They don't have the money for the specific car on the trailer to get up there, you know? So they take to the streets. The street becomes their track. And it's not so much about competition or racing. These guys are popping wheelies and doing stunts while in the wheelie that are pretty impressive. You know, but as a racer, I kind of look down on them, even though most of them look like me, <laughs> until this white guy lane from, uh, from California told me you need to look into that. That's going to be the next big thing so the journalist and me i would be waving these guys down and then so i'd start interviewing these guys and compiling my information i found that this is a culture and it's been around for longer than what even i had any idea just the same way fast and furious was the street racing culture with the cars this has been there for easily more than a decade already you know and it's due for that wider next level exposure now lane people may not have known the name but you've seen him, okay if you've seen the movie terminator two all the motorcycle stunts that was lane levitt okay the policeman riding the motorcycle up the stairs and through the window that's lane levitt okay and his wife debbie god bless her that i mean no disrespect that woman is as nutty as a bag of nails okay I mean that in a loving way. In the original Fast and the Furious, the stunt where the little black Honda drove underneath the tractor trailer truck, that was not CGI. Right? Debbie Evans Levitt drove that car under that moving tractor trailer. Now, when you think about how many things could have gone wrong, there's no amount of money in the world that could have gotten me to try that. you know. But she pulled it up. So what's and, the title uh, of
0: your script that you're working on?
1: The title is a work in progress. Okay. Um, my original thought. It was stunt x you know x signifying the future and the unknown you know lane is and i are still trying to work out what that is but it, it really is about how if you look at motocross racing and the urban motocross it is a division it's from black and latino and hispanic people doing the urban stuff and it's the people that have a little more resources doing the racing i was actually stuck Partway way through it. And then I realized, uh, then the riots happened in Baltimore and then the switch were that. This is what we need to do. Okay. Now the theme of the movie is race relations, but ultimately, as you know, we have more in common than what separates us right now the the, the media and the, the, the world at large seems to want to divide us into little tiny pieces. Okay. Now what the characters in this script go through is they realize, wait a minute, we both kind of have a common enemy. An enemy might be too strong a word, but ultimately and the, the, the two sides realize we could do more together than if we're sitting here fighting each other. And I use a lot of incidences that I've picked up on in real life, you know, as far as, you know, sometimes the media being scripted. You know, some politicians call it fake news. It's not fake news in the full sense of the word fake, but a lot of it as a card-carrying journalist, I believe, is is more opinion-shaping than it is objectively describing what's going on. But um, that script is finished. I'm working with Lane to kind of tweak it and polish it up. And um, there's no guarantees on anything, but I believe that this thing would actually work because of the content.
0: Is there anything else that you want to tell us about you or your work?
1: Right now, my primary job when I'm not sick with other things is uh, I'm a, uh, a state-certified driving instructor. I'm looking to start an online driver coaching school, I guess you could call it, and um, based on the reactions that my students and the students' parents have been giving me, it turns out I'm actually really good at it. So that's one of the things. But as far as the project, uh, I've been a driver for a wealthy guy in a couple of towns over. His name is Francesco Clark, and his story is amazing. <laughs> at 22 years old he just got his dream job in the fashion industry and if you're a swimmer you understand that the ladders are or are be put on the far end okay he dove into a pool where the ladder was actually on the shallow end basically broke his neck and through that process he is both of his parents were doctors they developed a line of skin care because i've seen plenty of motorcycle racers get injured but you see them they're injured they disappear they come back and it's okay they're good they're not good working with francesca you see the day-to-day of what goes on with somebody with a uh, with a spinal cord injury and unbeknownst to me and probably most people your body doesn't sweat okay below where the injury is your body doesn't sweat and his skin started looking like alligator skin. So through the circumstance of his parents being doctors, they came up with a line of skincare called Clark's Botanicals. You can look that up. And it it's amazing. The products work. I've used it myself. My wife loves it on her hands. And um it's an interesting story. He wrote a book called uh, Walking Papers. And basically the story, my script starts before the accident happened. Okay, we have to try to set up because that one is basically setting everything up. And then we get into the injury and how the rest of the process happened. But that's currently what I'm working on.
0: So where can listeners find out more about you?
1: I actually don't have a podcast of my own, but I'm on Facebook. You can look me up, facebook.com, michaeljames.9275. So if you have any questions about writing, writing, or even writing, it doesn't matter. (laughs) You know, or about this
0: Writing or (laughs) writing. Yep. And you're yeah, also back. on LinkedIn?
1: LinkedIn, correct. Correct. So mm-hmm.
0: if anyone's on LinkedIn, they can look for Michael James, and he's active there as well. Mm hmm. Anything else you'd like to tell us before we wrap up?
1: No, I'm just super proud of you and what you've managed to accomplish since class 38B. And uh, just keep on doing, you know, The Curious Professor is one of my go-to podcasts now.
0: (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for being here. It was great to have you on the show, Michael. Thank you so much for taking time to be a guest on The Curious Professor podcast.
1: Appreciate it, Doc.
0: And now for the answer to this episode's trivia question. What's the difference between a dirt bike and a motorcycle? The obvious difference is that motorcycles are made for the streets and dirt bikes are intended for off-roading. Dirt bikes are made for rough terrains, usually surfaces that aren't paved, while motorcycles are primarily made for transportation on paved roads. Dirt bikes tend to be smaller than motorcycles and are built with plastic, which keeps them lightweight. Motorcycles are usually made out of metal and are generally heavier than dirt bikes. We'll end the show with something punny. What do you call a laughing dirt bike? A (laughs) Yamaha-ha-ha. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Curious Professor Podcast. If there's a person, place, artifact, or natural wonder that has sparked your curiosity and you'd like for me to feature it on the show, please let me know. My website is thecuriousprofessorpodcast.com. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe to The Curious Professor Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to become part of my community of curiosity seekers, be sure to visit my website, thecuriousprofessorpodcast.com, and join Dr. B's Hive. Until next time, always be learning and be curious with Dr. B.